This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network. Hey everybody, this is Sports Charlotte, the podcast about sports in Charlotte. My name is Herb White, I'm Editor-in-Chief at the Charlotte Post. And again, we've got Cameron Williams here, my sidekick, my ace boom coon, and all that other good <laughs> stuff. What's up, Cameron? What's up? Um, got a lot to talk about. Um, a lot happened in the past week. You know, sports never sleeps. So. <laughs> Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on who you are and, and what you're doing. Uh, so, where do we start today? Let's just, it, there's such a big old grab bag, so let's just grab something and... and you want to talk about the Panthers first? Well, we got to talk about some football somewhere. So. Yeah, let's, let's let's hit on the Panthers. Um, yeah. What what's what's new with the Panthers? That's the big question because well, they're, they're still winning losing. isn't new. Winning is not new. They're still losing. <laughs> I just man, I know we talked a lot last week about you know where where to point the blame, but I mean I I did not foresee coming into this year them having arguably one of their worst years ever. Um, no one could have thought that. And the key word there is arguably. I mean. I remember the one in fifteen George Seifert year. No, my uh, goodness. And the only thing that came out of that that was any good was the season opening win. It was Chris Winkie's rookie year, wow. and he they beat Minnesota in Minnesota in the opener, and lost everything after that. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like a disaster from the get go, which may be the worst season. Although there were some others, there was the. Last year that John Fox was there and they were two and fourteen. Well, but Jimmy Clausen years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at least they got Cam Newton out of being terrible. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this season is it, it will rival those two as far as putridity. That's yeah. my word for today. Because they are pretty bad. Well, see, the thing about this year is that. When you traded up to get Bryce, which everybody thought was going to be their next Cam and all that, now this year you've had, you know, like you said, arguably one of your worst seasons, and now you can't get a top pick because you traded everything away. And so there's no hope for, okay, well, let's back up and punt and get another good pick. No, there's no hope for that now. You see, <laughs> you done trade all that away. Yeah, and depending on who the next head coach is, they're going to have to have a general manager or at least a strategy in place for a general manager to build this team on the back end of the draft and through free agency. You know, it's not like it's impossible. I think sometimes there's too much weight put on that first-round pick, but there's a reason why first-rounders are first-rounders. Yep. And even though most of them are serviceable players during their careers. Very few of them are going to be Hall of Famers. Very few of them are going to be pro bowlers. But there is that chance. Your odds are better of getting one in the first round than, let's say, a rookie free agent that you just literally pick up off the street. So the Panthers need to have a plan uh, to either trade with somebody to get back into the first or just say, well, here's our strategy. We're going to go out and really do the job in scouting these colleges and try to come up with some guys who can build this roster out after the first round. So we'll see how that goes. Get the O-line figured out. Uh, they they are going to need some help there. And the thing that gets me is somebody like Ike Okwano, who did so well as a rookie. I saw the, uh, the New Orleans game. Sunday, man, he was getting beat like a drum. 
was like, oh, homeboy has regressed. His, uh, his pro football focus uh, PFF stats are atrocious. He's it, they're they're bad. Um, and yeah, yeah, I feel for the kid. I mean, local guy, Providence Day grad, and all, but. Um, I wonder what what where the disconnect is where you have a great season and then now it's just like who's this guy? I mean, he's, he might as well just not even line up. <laughs> I, I think it really comes down to coaching because yeah. it's not like he's a lesser player in terms of physical skills or attributes and things like that. That's coaching, yeah, and it's not going well. And he's not the only one, so <laughs> it's. Really, to be fair to him, he is not the only one who is suffering. But uh, it's just a real mess. And then they're playing the uh, Falcons at Bank of America Stadium Sunday. And I can't wait to see what that crowd looks like. If you want to go, tickets are as cheap as $10. <laughs> and a lot of them will go unclaimed. Exactly. I mean, when, when, when the ticket prices drop below the cost of a hot dog and a beer, you know there's issues. <laughs> yeah. And, and the weather is not supposed to be all that great. True. Rain is in the forecast. So if you've got a team that's struggling and an opponent whose fans don't travel all that great, yeah, there's going to be a lot of empty seats disguised as fans yeah. on Sunday. So, you know, you make what you will out of that one. Uh, speaking of Bank of America Stadium, you know, the Duke's Mail Bowl is right around the corner, too. And it has lost some luster in the last week. So, let's talk about that one a little bit. Yeah, I mean, with Drake May entering the... NFL draft and foregoing his you know last collegiate game as well as uh, Dantez Walker, it's it's lost its luster. I mean, a lot of people. I mean, I think the the spread the point spread line now is West Virginia's favored by a touchdown, and um, th- this was a game that was supposed to be you know quite good. I mean, Carolina's coming off of two straight losses in the year. West Including Virginia's, one to Duke. Do I know? <laughs> Including one to Duke. Uh, no, they didn't. They, didn't no, they, they Duke. beat Duke. They beat Duke. It, yeah, it took them. It just two felt overtimes. like a loss. Yeah, they, it took them two overtimes to beat yeah. Duke, and Duke was playing their third string quarterback. But I, I digress. Or, um, it still felt like a loss. They lost to they lost double digits to Clemson, and they got boat raced by Rob NC State. Yeah. So I mean, they're. I guess there's there's nothing to play for now. Other than, I mean, than pride. But at the same time, pride is overrated. No, it is definitely overrated. <laughs> but. I just don't know why, especially in Tez's case, you know, you got Mac Brown, you know, the, the school going to bat for you so hard trying to, you know, let the NCAA let you play, and then now you're not you're not playing your last game. Like, I, I just don't know if that's a great, if it's a great look, but uh, we'll see. I mean, I'm sure there's still going to be media there just to, to go claim their, their little jar of mayonnaise that they get for free. Ooh, but. <laughs> no, you can keep that one. <laughs> yes, you can. Looks like I'll get two. I'll get, I'll get Herb's jar of mayonnaise, too. <laughs> Ooh, that is something that has to be covered by food in order to taste decent. Yeah. But that's just me. But I, I think that uh, what made this game appealing at first blush was the presence of Charlotte kids. And Tez Walker, West Charlotte grad, so you know he's coming home and conquering hero. And of course, Drake May, Myers Park, and he's expected to go off the board really early Mm -hmm. in next spring's NFL draft. And then those guys aren't playing. 
And you can't really blame them because it's like, well, if you're thinking about your future, would you show up for a game where potentially your stock or career could go by the wayside yeah. with one injury? So, you know, I'm not... I'm not hating on the kids for opting out, but it does take something off that game. And you know, North Carolina was struggling by the end of the year where you're talking about you barely beat Duke, which was playing with a third-string quarterback. And then Clemson drops the hammer. <laughs> NC State drops the hammer. And all of a sudden, if you're North Carolina, you you're a middling team right now. Yeah, and and you're eight and four. I mean, when you drop your last two games of the year, there's got to be a sense of uh, like, why are we playing at this point? Yeah, you know. Yeah, and if, if any of the Tar Heels are in the golf, they're probably warming up their carts right now. <laughs> we should let's go let's go play around instead yeah. of uh, doing the Mayo Bowl or whatever this is supposed to be. Yeah, um, and so. The Mayo Bowl is to come, uh, but bowl season started on Wednesday for Charlotte, or at least connected to Charlotte, yep. with uh, Johnson C. Smith taking on Fort Valley State at the uh, Florida Beach Bowl. It didn't go very well for the Golden Bulls. <laughs> uh, they lost 23-10, to 10, got off to a pretty poor start. They gave up a touchdown to the Wildcats on the game's very first drive. Then it started raining, and it went downhill from there. And offensively, the Golden Bulls playing a third-string quarterback, yep. and the results were not very good for them. Uh, really couldn't get much offense going. The defense started to get its groove going, but it was too late in the second half. Uh, but still, 7-4. and four, uh, for that program, it was a great season. Yeah. Uh, they fell one win short of matching the school record, but you still can't take away the accomplishment that uh, Maurice Flowers and his group had in year two yeah. with him. Absolutely nothing to hang their heads about. I mean, you know, seven and four after you know, one of their best seasons in recent history. So I, I think you know Maurice Flowers has them going in the right direction, and that and that's the that's the key thing when. You see progress, you know, steadily, you know, improving year after year, and not being regression. And I think that's that's got the Golden Bulls going in the right direction. But then you, if you're going in the right direction, ultimately expectations start mount. Yep. <laughs> it's yep. like okay, well, yeah, we saw you do seven and four. What does progress look like in three years? It's a good question. I mean, how about a bowl win? You know. Uh, I mean, same can be said, you know, for the Charlotte 49ers. I know I cover them a lot. I mean, I know they went to the bowl in 2019, and after that, they've yet to have success, so they've regressed. I don't foresee that necessarily happening to the Golden Bulls. I think they've got, you know, a plan in place, but they, they, they definitely don't need to take a step back and, you know, like I said, regress. But um, what does success look like in three years? Is it, you know, undefeated season? Or is it... You know, making continually make bowl appearances and possibly win one. Yeah, well, I think that because of the way Division Two is situated, you know, a bowl win isn't necessarily the aspiration because yeah. there, there are few and far between for Division Two programs. Yeah. Uh, and the the Florida Beach Bowl is a first year program, so it's looking to 
gain some momentum as well. I think with Smith, it's to make the CIAA championship game. Yeah. In that third year with Flowers, I think that uh, you know they were close. Uh, they were a couple of games behind Fayetteville State, which is still the gold standard in their division. But again, they managed seven wins playing a third-string quarterback yeah. by the end of the season. And so the defense carried a lot of the weight for them. And they are a stud quarterback away from being really good mm-hmm. offensively. And if that offense can get into the same neighborhood as that defense, then they really will put together a stern challenge to uh, Fayetteville State. But Fayetteville State is still, you know, in the immortal words of Ric Flair, you know, in order to be the man, you got to beat the man. Yeah. And Fayetteville State is still the man. Um, you know, five, six years in a row, they've been uh, Southern Division champions. No one's been able to get close enough to knock them off. But I think that at, uh, on Babies Ford Road, that's the next step. Yeah. Can you take down Fayetteville State and win that division? And it's been ooh, 51, 52 years since Smith played in the CIAA championship game. Wow. So that's history that if you're Smith, you want to try to reach that level. Well, it's like we talked about last week. Um, a lot of their losses were real close. Um, so, I mean, they're, you know, they're a play away, you know, one or two plays away, maybe a, maybe a missed signal away from winning some of these key games that could potentially, you know, get them, you know, the Southern – Mm-hmm. Division championship and even possibly the CIAA championship. Yeah, well, but it's going to be an interesting year. I uh, had spoken to uh, Coach Flowers uh, just before they went off to Florida, and they are already busy at work doing the recruiting thing, and they understand they need to address quarterback mm-hmm. uh, because you, know, you want to, in his offense, a quarterback needs to be able to throw the ball with yeah. some accuracy and, and effectiveness. And if he can run, that's a bonus. But number one thing, he has to be a gunslinger. Yeah. And they didn't necessarily have that this year. So we'll see how that works out. Uh, let's shift gears to basketball. And you got a taste of the Cameron Crazies last week when you went off to uh, cover the 49ers at Duke. Uh, what was that like? And what are your takeaways uh, from that game, which uh, wasn't really close on the scoreboard, but it yeah. was competitive for a while? Well, first things first, they got to move media pre- like press wrote out just a little bit because every time Duke would go to the free throw line and the Cameron Crazy would lift their hands up and do the you know the, the whoosh if they'd make the shot, I'd get hit in the back of the head. So uh, that that was my experience with the Crazies, but. <laughs> The ultimate takeaway from the Charlotte perspective is, I mean, yeah, they can hang. I mean, I, like the 80 to 56 or whatever final doesn't really indicate how close that game was. Um, you know, one play shifted the, the whole momentum in that second half. About midway through the second half, Charlotte's down by 11. They've mounted a comeback after being down by you know, more than 20. And then, you know, key guard Nick Graves, he gets called for a Somewhat questionable charge block call, which, I mean, that's been a running issue in the NCAA as a whole forever is the, the charge block issue. Um, and then, you know, once he has to sit with four fouls, I mean, that, 
it's just the the whole complexity you know of the game just shifts back in Duke's favor. So I mean Charlotte can hang and they could hang with teams in the AAC. I mean they're going to play some tough ones. Um, obviously Memphis is in there and uh, they'll play Florida Atlantic at Halton Arena, which will be it should be a decent crowd for a for a Charlotte basketball game. Um, but Duke Duke's just not. From my, you know, my takeaway, my main takeaway from the Duke side is that they're not quite championship caliber yet. Um, they have had two good wins, obviously the win against Charlotte and then against Hofstra, but they've got to find more of an offensive identity and find who you need to play through. And uh, one thing Coach Shire was really you know, proud of was Jared McCain's. Uh, he's been going through a bit of a shooting slump, but he's had two really good games the last two games. Yeah, but you got a, I mean, you got a all-American like Kyle Filipowski, who's all-American consensus first team, and is um, going to be in the running for Player of the Year if he continues to play well. You got to run your offense through him. I mean, that's the way I see it. Um, he needs to touch the ball, whether it be the top of the key in the post, at least every time down the floor, because a dynamic player like him can really, it can alter the game in so many ways just by getting open looks for other people when you know, double teams collapse down on him, or he's you know, stretch four, five who can shoot the three. So if you center your offense around him and then have your other guys play through and around him, I think Duke can get to that championship caliber team that they obviously preseason number two had aspirations of being. Spoken wheel in terms of yeah. the offense yep. running through him. Okay. But even to the your point about the 49ers, are they playing up to expectations uh, with the understanding that there's an interim coach in there? You don't know whether he's going to be around or not. He's auditioning to hang on to the job permanently. Uh, are you, in your observation of this group, are they where they need to be? Or are they a little behind? Or are they ahead of the schedule? I think right now, if I'm athletic director Mike Hill, I'm really pleased with Coach Fern's performance uh, to this point. Um, you, you lose two critical pieces in Bryce Williams and Ali Khalifa in the offseason uh, to the transfer portal, and then what you bring back, you, you bring some key pieces in like Dean Reber and Deshaun Jackson who have been playing really well. I mean, Dean Reber is a knockdown three-point shooter. Deshaun Jackson had two or three massive dunks right on top of Kyle Filipowski in that game. Um so I, I think they're making progress, you know, steady progress. And you got key contributors like Lakai Patterson and Nick Graves, both with 14 points against Duke. Um, I, I think they're going in the right direction. I really do. And I think um, if they can continue to grow throughout the season, you keep putting wins on the board, your firm might be the head coach come next year and that interim tag may be removed. I'm sure he hopes so. No, I'm definitely <laughs> sure he hopes so. Yeah, but the AAC – I know Charlotte is there primarily because of football, because football rules the roost with college sports. Mm -hmm. But it should be a really good basketball league, too. It should be, yeah. I definitely think so. Um, obviously, with uh, Cincinnati and Houston leaving, uh, that kind of took away some luster. But I mean, you still got North Texas and you know Charlotte. FAU is a top 15 team in the country. So uh, Memphis, Memphis. Yeah, Memphis. I mean, the Going back to the the old school Charlotte days of playing Memphis in conference play um, before you know they realigned and stuff um, a while back, but it's just uh, it, it has the potential to be a really solid basketball comp. Multiple uh, bid 
league. I mean, you're not talking about with like Conference USA only getting one or two teams in. I mean, the AAC has a potential if you know the teams that are in that three to four range, you know, even five, based on preseason rankings, if they play well. You get three or four teams from the AAC in the NCAA tournament, which would be really big for the conference and just uh, really big for the teams in the conference, I think. Yeah, so I think that if you are in that four or five team range and you get 20 wins, yeah, your chances are going to be pretty good of yeah, getting in. Definitely. And, um, yeah, I mean, well, any, any – Power six conference. I know they're the group of five, but I mean they're they're the premier group of five conference. So I mean, if you get twenty wins in that conference, yeah, you, I think you should be in. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I think that's going to pretty much do it for this edition of Sports Charlotte. Um, you know, thanks for listening in on us. Uh, check us out on SoundCloud, Spotify. Our website, thecharlottepost.com, social media, you know the usual suspects, X, March the Spot, (laughs) and Facebook, Instagram, all that other stuff. And, you know, if you're into dead trees, we still produce a physical newspaper, and we appreciate your support uh, with all of that. So for everybody at the office, I'm her... That's Cameron. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Queen City Podcast Network.com.